When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show. The place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. Unfortunately, the Bears lost 30-27 in what was a very entertaining back and forth. Everything that could have happened in the game did, and it, it was crazy to watch, to be completely honest. But I'm here with my fellow Bears brother, Brandon Hazlin, and we're here to break down this game. Brandon, I mean, how was that, just watching the everything that went on during that game? Because there was a lot. Uh, it was a lot. Uh, and before they even went into overtime, I was like, I, you know, when they asked me, you know, how the game went, I'm going to go sloppy, sloppy Joe is kind of like the Adam <laughs> Sandler thing, you know? Uh, and that's kind of overall how I thought that the, the game went was just sloppy. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. The rain and the weather kind of also played a factor into, you know, that sloppiness you were talking about, but this is a game where, you know, I just, in the preview show, I didn't feel comfortable or feel confident in the game, but I still had the Bears winning. And I don't know if you know this, Brandon, but I actually had you, because you weren't on the preview show, pick the Giants. So you ended up going up you ended up going <laughs> up in, in the leaderboards uh with the games picked because you know I, I kind of wanted to beat in first myself. So I'm like, let's <laughs> let Brandon pick the Giants for this one. And it ended up going in your favor. But Brandon, you know what? Since obviously Will is not here, if you guys uh, haven't figured that out already, he's at a concert right now, or I think just getting finished with one. But um, we're going to do this uh, same way, format-wise. Start with our first quarter. And Brandon, 
MVP, who would you give this MVP to? Who's deserving of it uh, for this Bears loss against the Giants? I would say Tariq Cohen. The dude was, he was literally the X factor uh, in this game. If I were to have picked one on Thursday, which I didn't because I wasn't on uh, due to personal reasons, but uh, he had 30 yards rushing and he had 156 receiving. So 186 total yards uh, just on offense. I That's without any special teams. So I don't know what his uh, total uh, for the whole game was total yardage uh, but I think he played a big part in the comeback uh, he also threw that one touchdown that ended up tying the game at the end of regulation so uh, I have to give it to Tariq Cohen in this one he did uh, everything that he could in his power to will the Bears back yeah, I think that's a very deserving player. I mean, it wasn't just in, you know, the running game. It was also he was a huge factor in the passing game. And I'm also going to give my MVP to Tariq Cohen, because when you look at it in terms of who had the most receptions, who did the most, uh, you know, stat wise, Tariq Cohen definitely fills the fills the, the role there. Twelve receptions, 156 yards, you know, receiving. And he also throws, you know, that 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 touchdown pass to Anthony Miller, which was insane insane play the bears needed it uh you didn't really expect him to get the you know the onside kick and then to go down the field three cone was just open all the time on the wheel routes it just didn't matter who was playing defense on him he was open doing that so great to see three cone being used in that aspect and we're going to talk about the running game a little bit later but yeah i think he's most deserving so brandon now let's move over to your stat of the game well i got a i got a couple things uh, that i kind of want to touch on uh, the Bears were two of fifteen on third down throughout the whole day. So one, you don't win ball games going that poorly on third down. Uh, but I think overall, the side of the game is going to have to be reflected in the turnover department, or not even turnover department. We can even just single it down to the fumble department because they had three fumbles on that last drive in overtime. Taylor Gabriel had one that was lost late in regulation. Uh, I think I've seen on here that Chase Daniel has four fumbles on day. Taylor Gabriel had one, and Tariq Cohen also had one. So that's six fumbles on the day. Very uncharacteristic of this Bears team. I know it was wet. I know it was you know sloppy out there, like I said earlier. Uh, but but teams figure out a way to overcome that. The, the Giants didn't have any. Uh, so that really kind of tells you if the Bears are going to play late in the year when it starts snowing even, uh, where the ball is still going to be slick, uh, that's got to be something that they have to clean up. I know that uh, Chase Daniel isn't used to playing on a regular basis, uh, and he accounted for four of those fumbles, but that is something that has got to be cleaned up. And ultimately why I think the bears lost because on offense, you just can't get anything going when you lose the ball. Well, they didn't necessarily lose all of them. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo smart base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. But it's hard to get anything going when you can't get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. Yeah, very true. And, you know, Taylor Gabriel had a costly one. You know, all these players that, you know, end up fumbling the ball, definitely that factored into why the Bears were not on the winning side of this ball game. And, you know, uh, again, you can't have that happening when you're trying to get further on to the season. Like you mentioned, later games, the weather's not going to always be cooperative, especially in Chicago. So, you know, seeing them struggle with that, and it was misty. It was, you know, really, uh, it wasn't great conditions of playing, but you still got a good teams find a way to persevere through that. And the Giants did a better job of that today. So I'm going to go with my knack or knock. And for, you know, Bears losing, 
30 27, even though they made a great comeback in the end there, they did still didn't win. And I have to give this game a knock. And it's actually gonna go with the defense and some of those busted coverages we saw. There's no reason why there's should be people as wide open today as they were, especially for a stout defense that has been playing phenomenal all season, especially in terms of coverages, not allowing anybody to get in back of them. You see the coverages just break down. Odell Beckham was a factor in two of the biggest ones. When one, he threw that touchdown pass to whoever the receiver was. Eddie Jackson thinks Odell's going to run the ball, come down in coverage. Boom. Throws the ball to the wide open receiver that is just left uncovered. And then also, how do you not guard Odell, especially in the red zone? Mm-hmm. Nobody was anywhere near him. I think that was Adrian Amos's guy, but still, I know there's bunch formations. Nagy likes to use those a lot and, you know, confuses defenses, but Odell was wide open. Nobody even near him. And look, the Bears, they did get pressure on that play, almost got to Eli, but if you don't get to him, you still got to have some kind of coverage to back you up, but there was just none there. So I think my knock for this game, has to go into the coverage or lack of coverage on some of those plays. And that's why, you know, the Giants were able to score, were able to move the ball, do do the things that they did today. And that has to get cleaned up because, you know, next week is Sunday night against the Rams, and they are going to have a lot of receivers running a bunch of complex routes, doing a lot of things at this Bears defense. So you can't get confused. And just this game against a Giants offense that really hasn't been that good all season can show some of the vulnerabilities that this Bears defense may have. So there's my knock of the game. And we don't have Will Ingles on here. Usually does the lowdown. But I guess, Brandon, we can both kind of take part in this. If you had to boil it down, why did the game end up the way that it did? Uh, I think it was uh, going back to the defense, your point on the busted coverages. A lot of that happens because they stuck to a run. The Giants that early in the game, uh, Saquon had 24 carries for 125 yards. And he's, he's a tough guy. He really is. Uh, we've seen it today, just continuing to carry the pile, uh, especially as the game wore on. Defensive line was really struggling to close their gaps. And once that happens, then you get those wide open guys. And I mean, that was even happening earlier in the game, these wide open receivers. So it's uh, just the, the lack of being able to shut down the running game for the Giants. Saquon's a very good guy, a game changer, I think, as we've seen today. Uh, and he was just hot throughout the entirety of this game. So there was no reason that the Giants should have shied away from it. And they didn't. That's why they ended up winning. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to take it a different way, and I'm also going to combine in here um, Will's monster moment, and this is going to be a negative one, though, and why it also incorporates a lowdown. That that timeout at the end of the second quarter, yeah. that was huge, and people are going to think, okay, it was just a timeout. Well, the Giants end up getting a field goal, you know, as time's expiring, going into the second half, and that really, ever since that play, momentum really shifted in the Giants favor one what I don't know why Matt Nagy even calls that timeout it didn't seem like uh the Bears wanted to do anything with the remaining time on the clock defense did their job but if you're going to call that timeout it should have happened you know way sooner instead Nagy want he calls it when he does the Giants end up you know getting a few plays end up kicking the field goal and ever since then the Bears you know, they came out flat to start off the third quarter. The Giants, uh, I think that was the Odell Beckham touchdown throw. So all these things kind of trickled on from that that initial moment, which may not seem like significant right then and there, but it ended up being a huge, huge thing for the Bears uh, later in this game. So I don't get it. What was the reason for the time? I know Matt Nagy's going to get asked that question. Why did you call a timeout? It's a rookie head coaching mistake, but one that cannot happen. This is, yes, you have your backup quarterback in, and, you know, it's another road test for him, but the Bears could have won this game. 
And I think it all comes down to that um, being just the, the factor into why the bears, you know, ended up not winning this game. So uh, I don't want to dwell on that too much. I know it's going to come up probably later in this podcast, but before we do, Brandon, got to tell you about our sponsor, SeatGeek. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers have the SeatGeek app on our phones, and it's by far the easiest way to purchase tickets. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek has plenty of tickets to concerts, comedy, and theater too. Before the show, you know, with the Bear, big game coming up next week. I checked SeatGeek to look into tickets to the Bears-Rams uh, game uh, that's going to be happening on Sunday Night Football. And there are still a lot of tickets with an amazing score, uh, amazing score on deals. So definitely look into it. The deals are comprised of location, price, and historical data of the seat. If you're considering going to this game, I encourage you to look soon before those amazing deals are no longer available. But best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, Brandon, we're going to move on to the second quarter of this show, and we're going to talk about that offense that was led by Chase Daniel, obviously. What are just some of your initial thoughts after watching this game, seeing what he did, wasn't able to do, and just overall the offense, how it ran today against the Giants. I thought it was kind of a bad omen initially when the uh, first three plays of the game are a uh, botched kick return by Mazzell. Uh Then it was a run stuffed up the middle, and then Chase throws that pick six. I went, oh, dear. It's going to be that kind of day for the offense, you know. And, and sure enough, it was. They just did not look in sync throughout the day until they absolutely had to put their foot on the gas and go. So I don't know if Matt Nagy just had a conservative play calling going into this game. It was nice to see him establish the run early. Uh, I think it was Jordan Howard was actually on pace to get the 125 yards that uh, uh, Barkley got, and they kind of flipped roles because I thought they had Saquon shut down pretty early. Uh, the defense did. But going back to the Bears offense, I mean, it was nice to see that run game get established. Seen some nice runs from Jordan Howard. Nice to see him get going in that rhythm. Thought that's why they were able to take control of the first half. Uh, kind of kept the ball to Chase Daniel's hands. But after, I mean, Chase Daniel himself just did not look comfortable in this game. And we see that with with defenses that send pressure because it's not just Chase. Trubisky's shown that as well. Uh, so maybe that's, you know, the Bears offense is getting uh, exploited here a little bit, showing that if you bring a lot of pressure, they just can't handle it. Uh, and yeah. I think five sacks might represent that too, but just kind of a, an initial thought. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you saw the Giants bringing that extra pressure. Chase Daniel, if his r first read wasn't open, it's like, oh, man, what do I do? And you saw him take some bad sacks. There's, you know, in that last drive of the game or, you know, before the overtime, whatever it was, Chase Daniel uh, takes a terrible sack. Look, the line does a good job blocking on that initial play, but then you, you're you just wondering, Chase Daniel, why not just throw the ball away? That's an option. You don't have to just get take the sack right then and there. You don't, but he does anyway. So, look, it's a backup QB, and I think how he played on Thanksgiving against Detroit, that was, uh, you know, lucky for the Bears because, look, on a road test again, 
for a backup quarterback is no easy task. And, you know, the Bears are fortunate the way that he did in that first game, how he played, because in this one wasn't nearly as close. Um, he finished uh, on the day 26 of 39, 285 yards, one touchdown pass, two interceptions. And like you said, he was sacked five times for 28 yards. Can't have that going for Chase Daniel, especially a pick six early on. You're taking away that kind of messes what the Bears want to do. Because when you're winning early, you could bring the pressure, right? You bring the pressure, you can uh, with your defense, and they're used to w- playing with the lead. And now with that, it kind of changes up how you do things. And you mentioned a very good point. Jordan Howard was doing really well running the ball. He had at at halftime 13 carries for 68 yards and was averaging 5.2 yards per carry. The Bears looked like they were going to establish the ground game. But clearly, that didn't happen. And I think uh, the Bears actually ended before halftime or before uh, overtime. They ended with five yards rushing in the second half. After Jordan Howard has the half that he did, that's what happens. The Bears just kind of went away from it and it really and ultimately uh, affected how this game was played. Chase Daniel didn't throw, you know, very accurate passes at times. So it really did uh, come down to that. But, uh, Let's let's from your big bear hugs to the little notes you leave in your kids' lunches. It's already obvious you're an amazing mom, but there's one thing you can do to be even more amazing. Quit smoking. Because when you quit, not only does your risk of heart attack, stroke, and lung cancer decrease, your kids' risk of asthma, bronchitis, and ear infection does too. It's a win-win. Call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit quitlineiowa.org for a quit plan that's right for you. Quit for you. Quit for them. Brought to you by the Iowa Department of Public Health. So we, we talked about Chase Daniel. I don't think we need to do that much more. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Brandon, let's, let's talk about these running backs. Uh, we just I just talked about Jordan Howard. We know what Tariq Cohen did. But what was your overall um, impression of how they played in this game? It was nice to see Akeem Hicks finally get a rushing touchdown. And I think we had an audio mailbag question a couple weeks ago about, you know, who's going to be the you know first defensive player to score. And I think it's Akeem Hicks, right? They called yep. him fridge fridge 2.0 on the broadcast, but I was like, well, you can't even really call him a mini fridge because he's, I think, almost the same <laughs> size as the actual fridge was, you know. So uh, good for good for Keem Hicks, very well deserved. Uh, wouldn't want a better guy to score there. Uh, but there's one one run by Jordan Howard that still has. Uh, I still have a lot of faith in this running game. It was the 22 yarder that he picked up, and the thing was is that. Uh, Charles Leno was his lead blocker. And if you look, he cuts that run back to the right. So the tackle swings all the way back up the middle and Jordan Howard follows him the whole way. That is exactly the offensive line uh, that we've seen when Jordan Howard was rushing a thousand yards uh, his first two years consistently. The offensive line uh, being able to get out, get in front of him, get to that second level. That's why I still have faith in this running game. But then all of a sudden when Matt Nagy abandons it, kind of like you said, they had five rushing yards in the second half. And Chase Daniel wasn't really throwing all that accurate anyway throughout the day. Uh, there were some throws that uh, Mitch would have made that Daniel wasn't really even throwing in the vicinity. I think of one to, to Taylor Gabriel. But regardless, going back to the running game, uh, once they get in a rhythm, you see how much fun it can be. They get these 22 yarders. Uh, they get the, the eight or nine yarder following it the very next play. So once they get in a rhythm, uh, then that's something that they're really good at, as we've seen today. But uh, as soon as Matt Nagy starts to stray from it, I mean, I think that really uh, limited what the offense could do. Granted, it was desperation time they were behind. Uh, but I think that's something that he's still got to be able to stick with, uh, especially early in the second half to try and establish things later in the game. Yeah, and it just doesn't make sense why they went away from it. It just – I don't get it why you're, you have so much success going in the first half. And Jordan Howard showing great vision on 
Jordan said, there was it ended up going the other way because Jordan Howard's able to see where where these safeties are coming down, where the linebackers are flowing, and seeing the opening in you know that the line is creating for him. So again, people say that Jordan Howard doesn't fit in the system. I don't necessarily believe that. I just think that Nagy still needs to do a better job in trying to get his running backs the balls, especially in the running game. Yes, the uh, Tariq Cohen had a, a good day in the receiving. Uh, you know, we already alluded to a stat 156 uh, receiving yards, but still the rushing attack still needs to be improved. And Jordan Howard had it going in the first half. It just didn't make sense to me that he just went away from it. Uh, yes, the, the, bear, uh, the Giants score in the, in the third quarter there, but look, the game's not out of reach. I think it's like a four point game at that, at that point. So the rushing attack should have kept on going, but it just ended up going a different direction. We know how Nagy likes to get a little pass happy at times, even with a backup quarterback, like you said, Brandon, that wasn't doing particularly that well in the first half. So why continue it? It just didn't make sense to me. Um, but <laughs> we're going to see what happens uh, moving forward with that rushing attack. So Brandon, what do you, what do you think about the receivers? And we'll also throw well, tight ends only. I think Adam Shaheen was like really the only one that had a reception in this game. I'm trying to look here. Yeah, Burden was left. Uh, yep, with zero. Broniker didn't have any receptions. Yeah, it was only uh, Adam Shaheen. So, what do you think about one the wide receivers and the tight ends in this game? Well, I'll, I'll start with the tight ends. Uh, despite Trey Burton not being in there in the receiving game, he still had a couple nice key blocks in this game for Jordan Howard uh, to wrap up the, the running discussion there. So it's nice to see that these guys are still contributing in other ways, even though I know as much as you love Trey Burton in the passing game, we're starting to see him uh, also in the running game playing playing key roles there. Uh, but it was nice to see Alton Robinson made some really nice catches in this game. He really helped out Chase Daniel a lot. Took that one off the defender's helmet, which was really cool. Was able to fight the one away on fourth and three in overtime. Uh, so I thought he overall had a good day. But Taylor Gabriel, I, he had three receptions for 17 yards, was targeted seven times, and he had the one fumble. Uh, that is not the Taylor Gabriel that I'm, I'm used to seeing and I like to brag about. Uh, you know, I say that he always brings up the – the quarterback rating when he's targeted but i mean today he had a couple go right through his hands especially one in the end zone later in the game got to be able to reel those in so i don't know what the the issue was there with him the giants were playing very aggressive and tight coverage throughout the whole day uh, but regardless the fact that they were still able to get as much as they did out of Tariq cohen uh alan robinson adam shaheen was big down there in the red zone he had the first touchdown of the day uh, it was nice to see him get involved back again in action he had two receptions for the day total but uh they, they got, I guess, what they needed out of Tariq Cohen and Allen Robinson, but if Taylor Gabriel was able to step up a little bit and make one or two more of these catches and not fumble that last one, I think this is a different ballgame. Yeah, for sure. That was really uh, not a good game by Gabriel, and I'm really surprised that Trey Burton wasn't a, a big factor in this game. Just seeing what the Eagles were able to do with their tight end, Zach Ertz, last week against this Giants defense, they had chances, or they had a lot of opportunities in that game um, to where the tight end was a focal point. And Trey Burton, the only time he actually touched the ball was on that um, touchdown pass from Tariq Cohen to uh, Anthony Miller, where it's just a little pitch to him. And then he pitched it off to uh, Tariq Cohen there. But that was that was it, really. And I know you mentioned him in the in the blocking aspect for the running game, but still, Trey Burton is a passing, uh, receiving tight end. He he can do that. He's definitely capable of it. That's what he's, his specialty is. And him not being a factor in there really was surprising because for Chase Daniel, a backup, you want to have that security blanket 
in a guy that's, uh, you know, one knows the system is just very good at being open, but that just didn't happen today, which is really surprising. And you mentioned a good point about Allen Robinson. He really did help out Chase Daniel because there were some passes that, you know, they're a little bit, uh, if Anthony or if Allen Robinson is not the recipient of those, I don't know if they're receptions. It could be interceptions, really, to be completely honest. So uh, just shows, again, the hands that Allen Robinson has. And he's made some fantastic catches all season long. But the one on BWF, I mean, that you're not supposed to do that to somebody else. That's that's just <laughs> wrong. I mean, it was another helmet catch. You know, the Giants obviously had uh, Tyree in the Super Bowl, but that was that was pretty phenomenal to see what he did. They just snagged it off his helmet. A huge play. It's raining, so it's not easy to catch the ball. But yeah, fantastic by Allen Robinson there. Um, so Brandon, I know we we kind of touched on uh, the running game and how I was able to get going in the first half, but a big uh, factor in that is the offensive line. What would you for the guy the trenches? What did you see from that offensive line? How do you think they fared against uh, this uh, Giants front seven? Like I said, they did a good job in the running game of getting up to that second level. Uh, But in the passing game, they were struggling, I guess, is the best way to put it, uh, especially nicely. Uh, I didn't like Brian Woodsman in this game. He got beat a couple times, a lot of pressure from his side. Charles Leno struggled a little bit, uh, a little bit more than we're used to seeing. Uh, I don't want to say that he was the cause for the Chase Daniel fumble that – Vernon got to him on the on one of those in overtime, um, but it's just and Cody Whiter he had a couple bad snaps in this one as well. So overall, just not a very good showing by this unit. And I understand, you know, we talked about it. It was misting. It was wet out. Uh, so footing could have definitely been an issue. Uh, but kind of going back to the running game, they were doing a lot better moving forward than they were having to drop back and pass pro. So that's something that I think Matt Nagy is going to have to look at. Go, yeah, I probably shouldn't have gotten so pass happy in the second half. Uh, you know, I understand that it is desperation time at, at certain points in that game where they have to throw it, and absolutely you have to. And the offensive line stepped up in those situations. But as soon as uh, the Giants got more aggressive, sent that extra guy or two, uh, they were just really overwhelmed because there's not a whole lot of help. Jordan Howard uh, had a couple times where he was able to pick up the extra blitzer, uh, but I felt more times than not it was just five on seven, and that's not a good recipe for success. No, exactly. And when I was watching that offensive line, like I alluded to earlier, Jordan Howard made some great plays because of vision and cutting back where the play was designed to go. There wasn't really much there. So that that's on the offensive line, trying to create these blocks to generate these natural, you know, running lanes where the plays intended to going. That's just on Jordan Howard being a good runner, being able to see the opening and then making the cutback. And then, like you said, also, Cody Whitehair had some bad some bad snaps. The weather definitely played a factor in it, but it reared its hug, ugly head again. We haven't talked about a Cody Whitehair bad snapping issue um, for, what, I think the almost the entire season, it seems like. I don't remember when it was really an issue up until right now. So hopefully that gets picked up and gets, uh, you know, solved really quickly because if they the Bears, the Bears can really just – the play can just stop right then and there if it's a bad snap. Throws the timing off, uh, puts a quarterback in a bad position, especially as picks a ball up off the ground. Blitzers can become – there's so many bad things that can happen from a bad snap. So Cody Whitehair definitely needs to get that fixed uh, if the Bears offense wants to run the way that, it, you know, intended uh, – the way that Matt Nagy has intended to. But, but, uh, but also, you know what? Too, some of that falls on Chase Daniel as well because he had his oh, hands yeah. on all those snaps. So, I mean, yeah, the yeah. better snap placement would be nice, but Chase Daniel also has to be able to corral some of those. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Look, this game, 
the Bears obviously lost 30 to 27, but this really this game really showed how much the Bears miss Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I know there were a couple fans saying like, "Oh, me, Daniel's a better uh, starter, better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky." Like, yeah, you watch this game. Is he a better quarterback now? I don't. There's no way the Bears really do miss him, and uh, I can't wait for Mitch Trubisky to be out there. You know, it was actually kind of interesting. We might as well talk about this. Uh, they said had this had this been a playoff game, uh, Mitch Trubisky would have played, and he was. Basically, from what I saw just uh, from Twitter and seeing what people were saying is that Mitch Trubisky definitely could have played in this game. Mm-hmm. Now, did that does that change your uh, overall impression of how the Bears have kind of approached this? Do you think they should have played him knowing that uh, obviously it's hindsight now the Bears lost? And if Mitch Trubisky plays, they probably don't lose, to be completely honest. I think the Bears would, would definitely win this game with Mitch Trubisky. Do you have a, a, an issue with that at all, Brandon, that if, you know, Trubisky could have played, should they have played? Uh, you know what? No. Uh, I think they still made the right move playing Chase Daniel, even though the offense was was stagnant, kind of slow to get going. They scored when they absolutely had to, which led to overtime. They scored the last 10 points in the last minute and a half or whatever it was uh, of the game. So the offense was able to get the ball moving, uh, which was nice. And, you know, even though it was against a little bit of prevent defense, they they put the ball in the end zone when they absolutely had to. Uh, so does it bother me that Mitch didn't play? No, because the defense didn't quite play up to their level either. I thought the Giants really just came out and really wanted this game uh, as a unit a little bit more than the Bears did. I don't know if they overlooked this game looking ahead to Sunday night. I hope they didn't. Uh, I mean, they they grinded this one out, and they only lost by three in overtime, which I wouldn't have, wouldn't have guessed would have been the outcome. I thought it would have been a little closer i actually got to tip my cap off to one of my friends i was talking to him at church this morning he goes i bet it's a field goal game sure enough dale you were right so uh <laughs> uh tip my cap off to you there but uh, i mean i think ch- playing chase daniel was the smart move to make uh the defense really just didn't play up to the expectations that we're used to seeing there was the one interception by fuller uh and then after that they just really struggled to shut down their running game so if they were able to step up a little bit more i still think chase daniel did enough but he didn't do more than enough like we would be able to see Mitch do in these situations. Yeah, it was it was interesting to see the for me kind of seeing that, you know, Mitch probably could have played. And at, at the time, I mean, you see how Chase Daniel played against the Lions, you're like, yeah, no, it's fine. You could sit him. But now things get a little bit more interesting in, you know, playoffs and seating and stuff. Good thing though, got to bring this up because obviously people are down, the Bears lost. Look, they won 5 straight, but you know who also lost today? The Green Bay Packers. They All lost right. to the Cardinals of all people they lost there and I think the Minnesota Vikings are actually down right now uh to the Patriots so things could uh be I mean look the Bears lost but there could be a lot worse things that could happen all those you know teams what, though could, yeah you know what, though, to this you know not every loss is bad uh, I think this is a situation where the Bears can really sit back and learn and be humbled about this one as well uh you know they went in they might have overlooked the Giants uh even though the Giants were hot coming into this one uh, that, that's one that they definitely got to take a step back and go, okay, we got to tone ourselves down a little bit here, uh, get ready for next week. We're going to forget about this. What can we learn from this loss? And I think that when a team's hot, sometimes you need a loss, and that's what can really create a playoff push when you're able to learn from your mistakes. So hopefully this is one that they're able to learn from. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of things that need to be improved upon, and those things can rear their ugly heads later uh, it, against you know more formidable opponents, and you don't want to have that happen. Fix it now, right now, with a backup quarterback. Look. Chase Daniel went one, one and one and on the road, one and one on the road. I think the Bears would take that. I, you know, I think most fans would take that. You, we've seen backup quarterback play in the past. 
and it's been awful. Like, awful. <laughs> and look, Chase Daniel was not great at this game. You see the pick six on the second play of the game offensively for the Bears, and you're like, Oh crap, we're we're in trouble. And for for a majority of the game, you know, the Bears were in trouble, but they kept fighting back. You see the perseverance that this team has. They made it. There's look, there's like I said, there's mistakes that need to be addressed moving forward. But I like I like the the mindset there, Brandon. They definitely can learn from this loss. This was a team they should have beat, and they lost. And look, on any given Sunday, right? Any team could beat any team. And now they have a nice, a huge, monumental task with the Rams coming to town, and that's going to be uh, a great game. But Brandon, let's uh let's uh final thoughts offensively. We saw what happened with Chase Daniel. Hopefully that's done and over with. We can move to Mitch Trubisky now. But what are your what are your thoughts on this offense um after this game and then just kind of moving forward? Yeah, uh it's nice to see Tariq Cohen get the 186 total yards offensively running and receiving as well, uh, kind of reestablish uh, how good of a player he actually is. He hasn't necessarily made that kind of noise in a while. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. So it's nice to see him get reestablished there. Allen Robinson, again, being the playmaker. He saved Chase Daniel a couple times in this one, like we alluded to. And the offensive line did a very good job of run blocking as well. So hopefully we can continue to see that against the Rams. Uh, that's a team that I would think they want to eat as much clock and keep that offense off the field as much as they can. And like you said, one-on-one one with Chase Daniel. I mean, I'm taking that. I take that as a win for Chase. Uh for a guy, you know, he's only had four career starts. This is the first time he's ever done it back-to-back. And despite getting off to a slow start, he he helped uh, bring this team back uh, in the end of the game, scoring 10 points in the last minute and a half. So it's uh, a very good job by Chase, especially in clutch situations. It was nice to see, uh, but he's just going to be able to put together a complete game. Yeah, uh, I think that's, uh, you know, a good wrap-up of this offense. Um, you know, I won't say much here. I'm I'm so glad that Mitch Trubisky's coming back next week. <laughs> this offense is completely different with him just how he's able to scramble his decision making you know how the the balls that he's able to throw especially the deep ball at times has been a little inconsistent for Mitch but he could definitely hit some of the uh play hit some of the players uh in in this game against the Giants that Chase Daniel didn't so that's going to be great having the starting quarterback back in and the Bears will be back to being you know their complete offense and it's going to be much needed but Brandon, let's flip to the third quarter, flip sides of the ball, and talk about this defense. And I'll I'll start off here, just kind of my overall overall thoughts. Again, we saw some missed tackles in this game, and there were some big ones. And the one that was huge was uh, the it was a third and eleven conversion, I think. Oh man, with how this game went, Eddie Jackson misses a missed a tackle on the sideline, or is able to get the receiver uh, from getting that first down. And I think the Giants end up. Uh, I think they end up scoring, or maybe that was the one where Cleo Mack gets a sack later and that puts him out of field goal range, but still chewing up clock and stuff like that. Can't have that happen. And we saw it again. And I already mentioned the blown coverages in this one for a Vic Fangio defense. It's very uncharacteristic to have one, the blown coverages and a Jackson, um, you know, to be out of position because uh, he was playing up until this point, you know, possibly like a defensive player of the year candidate. And he almost had an interception in this game and probably should have on uh, when Eli was targeting Odell Beckham, but he didn't come up, come away with that. Uh, so 
it was a interesting game. The Bears only had what? They had one interception. Like you said earlier, there were no fumbles. They were all happened by the Bears, not the Giants. And then the Bears only sacked Eli, I believe it was only three times. Three times against a offensive line that, what, was not very good. It really wasn't. That Giants offensive line had issues, especially that right side. I feel like the Bears didn't really take advantage of that as, as much as I thought they would have. But, Brandon, what are your overall thoughts uh, on this Bears defense? The, again, thirty. it was 30-27. to 27. There's a pick six in there as well. But 30 points is, uh, you know, not – not what you expect for this Bears defense to give up, especially against the Giants. No, you're right. And you know what? This is uh, the Bears defense in the first half that played exactly like I thought they would. They only allowed 103 yards, didn't allow – the only offensive points they allowed was the field goal at the end of the half, uh, which we'll touch on later how I feel about that that play on that timeout because we talked about it earlier. I want to bring it back up later. Yeah. I'll touch on it in more, more detail later. But uh, uh, then the second half came, and then – they just got the ball to, to OBJ and Saquon solely, and that was it. Those were the only two guys, I think, to really touch the ball, and, and Shepard uh, can't forget about that one as well. He played a big part as well, uh, but just got to be able to corral some of these guys. I'm, I want to give some love to Kyle Fuller as well, uh, team-leading sixth interception on the year, so nice to see him. After the after Eli threw his first interception to him, I don't think he looked at Kyle Fuller very much for the rest of the day, uh, so good job by, by Fuller for locking down his guy. Uh and I wanted to touch on Akeem Hicks on the running touchdown there, but I already did it on offense. So we kind of don't bring it up again on defense. But uh, Leonard Floyd also got his second sack of the year in this one as well. So uh, shout out to him as well. Get some of these guys uh, some love despite a poor effort in the in the second half. Yeah, and so let's let's just kind of talk about position by position here because I think in that, like you said, in that first half, this Bears defense was you know completely dominant, especially doing what they did to. I mean, look, Eli Manning, nineteen of thirty five, hundred seventy yards, one touchdown, one interception. He, again, they did their job there with Eli Manning, and for the most part, in the first half, containing Saquon Barkley, just filling their gaps and did a good job there, but. The defensive line, for me, uh, we saw Bilal Nichols have a great play, just kind of getting in the backfield and doing what he does. He's, he's made plays like that all season. Akeem Hicks has come up with some monster stops in this one. Eddie Goldman as well. Um, but overall, with the defensive line, was there anybody in particular that really stands out or um, maybe some players that need to maybe improve upon things? Yeah, I mean, early on, it was nice to see Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman that uh, Keem had six tackles on the day, one for a loss. Eddie had five, I think. Uh, Ray Robinson Harris, I think he, he had a pretty quiet day on the stat sheet, but he was also uh, mistaken on the broadcast for Cleo Mack because he was moving guys with one hand. So, <laughs> you know, he's still out there doing all the right things as well. I uh, didn't see much of John Bullard today. So, you know, again, he's a guy that we just seen flashes from, need to see a little bit more consistency. And he could have been a playmaker in this one. I think he definitely had his opportunities. And it's same with Ray Robinson Harris. He's just got to be able to finish some of these plays. You're able to drive your guy back with one hand. I just got to be able to finish some of these plays. Akeem also had the one uh, batted pass uh, mm-hmm. early in the game as well. So the, the defense got after early, which was really nice. Uh, but then we'll just go ahead and break down. You said the missed tackles. Uh, that one where they called the Bears called the timeout, and Saquon gets that big run, gets him to fourth and short. Uh, they did a very good job of not missing the tackle, but they just continued to give Barkley this five-yard bubble just all the way down for that whole run until someone finally tackled him, which I thought was just so weird. You know, I mean, I understand the offensive line's there, uh, but someone's got to be able to shed the block, you know, five, six yards down the field, I would think, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just a, a an opportunity that I look at, and I'm like, we could have really 
sealed that momentum from even going into the second half if someone just steps up and makes a play. But Barkley's a tough runner, and for whatever reason, the Bears just could not break that five-yard bubble until it was too late. Yeah, and uh, Barkley, I mean, you see him jump over Adrian Amos. Like, it was nothing. It's it's insane what he's able to do. Like, yes, you want to take him down, especially uh, from gaining momentum. He's just going to hurdle you. He's going to break, you know, change direction. He's going to take more than one person. He's a, he's a, a freak of nature, to be completely honest. Um, you know what? I will say this for the defensive line, and this uh, this would be a good transition to the linebackers. I really like how Akeem Hicks and Leonard Floyd work together. On that stunt play that Leonard Floyd gets his sack on, Akeem Hicks, you know, he's the one that really sets it up. He takes, uh, I think it's the, it would be the right guard, right tackle, takes both of them, just kind of yep. going upfield he's not he's not looking to get the sack on this play he's setting up leonard floyd who has a free uh free lane right to eli manning gets his sack and you know it's really good about that play too leonard floyd with how touchy they are with the quarterback penalties he hits them it kind of just lets off doesn't put the weight on him or anything like a great overall play from that bears defense and especially how those two uh you know you want to see that that chemistry uh be able to do that to set other guys open because the bears are definitely going to need that moving forward with a quarterback like Jared Goff coming uh, to uh, soldier field next week. Um, You're going to need those stunts. You're going to need to get them on the ground. So really like that aspect now kind of just transitioning to the linebackers here again. um, I thought, you know what, as good as Cleo Mack, I think was in this game. And I thought, you know, he played, he had some huge plays, the sack on, what was it? Third down to get the the giants out of field goal range. Mm -hmm. That, that sack couldn't have come at a better time. But again, it was a giants offensive line that was, had the second, had given up the second most sacks uh, this season. And you know, he only had one. I I was expecting more of Cleo Mack. Um, Yeah. Just uh, what were your thoughts of just outside, inside Cleo Mack, Leonard Floyd, uh, even Aaron Lynch was in there at times, and you know he he was there primarily on those goal line packages, getting those heavier set uh, heavier set guys out there. But what do you think of the linebackers? They struggled to really set an edge in the running game in this one. You have to kind of credit Pat Shermer on this one because uh, yeah. there were times where they had tight ends who were lined up wide coming back in to establish their edge to try and get that edge on Leonard Floyd and Kilmack to prevent them from setting an edge. Uh, so that's just a huge scheme thing that could get overlooked by a lot of people, I think, but I've seen it multiple times throughout the game. So got to tip your cap off to Pat Shermer for really doing his homework on that one. Knows how good that Floyd Lynch and Mack are at setting the edges. So he did a very good job of making sure that his guys had an option to get to the edge if need be. Uh, Just really disappointed, I guess, in their their effort and being able to do that. But it just comes down to a scheme thing for the Giants being able to do that. Uh, Like I said, gave gave Floyd some love, but I I was expecting more out of Cleo Mack in this one. Uh, they talked early on about how uh, Cleo Mack was moving Nate Soldier with one arm, how he could have been a slalom skier and a world heavy light lifter and a football player all at the same time, uh, just with the way he bends, how strong he is, you know, the way he moves. Uh, so, I don't know, I guess disappointed, I guess, is the word. Just I was expecting so much more out of these pass rushers in this one, especially Aaron Lynch. He had a, he had a pretty quiet day. I don't even think he got a sack. Uh, just... I'm kind of speechless with this with the outside group. The inside guys played a very good game. Uh, Danny, I thought it was really funny when him and Saquon kind of meet in the middle. They're like, "Who's going to make your move first? You know, I thought that was really funny. Uh, but Roquan, I, you know, despite having ten tackles, I thought he was really quiet today. Like, I didn't feel like his name was thrown out there a whole lot, other than when he was getting beaten covered, which is something that he struggled with throughout the year. Uh, so, what do, I don't know. I guess what's your thoughts on the inside guys? Because I'm kind of outside of that. I'm speechless with this group for the most part. Yeah, I mean when. 
look, Saquon Barkley has over a hundred yards rushing. A lot's going to go. That's it, a whole defensive thing. But I just thought at times they were out of position. And look, Saquon Barkley's breaking tackles, going up to the second level, and is able to just get away. Um, for the most part, I guess they played all right for me. The inside guys. Um, I just think whenever you have a guy, uh, you know. Look, Saquon Barkley is a great running back. Still a rookie, though, and you want to see your guys really corral him, be there, be the first person, uh, be the people to just meet him. And that, you mentioned a great play by Danny Trevathan. They're kind of just looking at each other. All right, where are you going to go? Uh, meet in the middle there. See, we need more of that, and you just need that consistently. There are times where, look, Roquan Smith, I know, missed a tackle on Barkley, and you know that leads to whatever it led to. You can't have that. And Roquan Smith's been having these missed tackles you know, uh, all season really. So, and he was, you know, just renowned at, at Georgia for being a good tackler. Someone's always around the ball and he usually is just got to finish the play. That's a big thing. And then just kind of talking about the, the pass rush in general, there were times where Eli Manning had, you know, a good amount of time in the pocket just to kind of survey. Maybe it didn't quite lead to anything big, but you're just wondering where's the pass rush. I know I put that in my notes multiple times. Like, Where's a pass rush? Where's a pass rush? They should be able to get to Eli Manning. There's no way, especially uh, any kind of pressure with Eli. He'll just go down on his own sometimes. Just like, I don't want any of this. I don't want to, you know, take whatever's going to be given from any of these big defensive players. So that's the thing. I thought they definitely could have exploited this matchup more, like I said earlier, but just didn't end up happening that way. Um, we did see now, one of those sacks, though, where he didn't want to face Akeem Hicks. Like, he literally just went down because he seen Akeem coming, which I thought was kind of funny. Then Akeem laid on him, and I was like, no, don't do that. Yeah, but could have been no a penalty on that thrown. one. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? To be completely honest, I don't think a lot of people <laughs> want to laugh at make, <laughs> Especially, you know, going back to that goal line play, like, are you who's going to get in front of Akeem Hicks? I think we did right. talk about that exact same scenario on an audio mailbag. Like, who in their right minds, like, if he's jumping, are you going to jump up and just get smacked by a 330 pound man and just end up going backwards? <laughs> no, you're probably not. So that was, ah, oh, man, I was so pumped to see that play. When he lined up, I'm like, you better give it to Akeem. Right. He, deserves, he deserves the rock on this play and he gets in. Uh, and like you mentioned, Brandon, couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, so in terms of like the secondary now, I really liked how the Bears, especially their cornerbacks, are playing really aggressive with Odell Beckham in the beginning. Just anything that, uh, he wanted to do just wasn't happening in the beginning. Kyle Fuller, Prince of Mugamora really being physical with him at the line of scrimmage or just at the end of their routes. And look, uh, Kyle Fuller on the interception, he ba he's reading Eli's eyes the entire way, but Odell Beckham's not running a very good route. It's uh, lackadaisical, I would say. Uh, just very, very slow with uh, how he, he cut from the outside going in, but Kyle Fuller basically ran the route for him and picked it up. That's what you like to see. And he almost could have had another interception, uh, but it didn't end up going that way. I liked how they played initially. And then you see the busted coverages, um, you know, with safeties, uh, the, the corners as well. But what would you say is uh, your final assessment on how the secondary played in this one? I, I'm with you. I like how they handled Odell because for the day he had three, three receptions was targeted nine times. So that tells me they did a really good job of locking him down. But that's also why, Guys like Russell Shepard were able to have uh, bigger days like they did. He was two for two for 59 yards and a touchdown. He actually dropped the one in the end zone yeah. uh, that, you know, really could have sealed the game. So it was nice to see, uh, you know, players who well, that's the difference between a good team and a bad team. A, a good team would have been able to ice that game on that catch right there. But Shepard uh, was, well, wasn't even him. It was, gosh, who was it? Because if Russell Shepard's two for two, then he didn't drop that pass in the end zone. But regardless, Sterling Shepard. 
Sterling Shepard, he was one of these shepherds. Uh, you know, he was, you know, that's one that you got to be able to catch the difference between a good team and a bad team or a team that's not quite there yet. Uh, that's one that they would ice that game away in that situation. Uh, but that's why they had guys like Sterling Shepard, Russell Shepard, uh, Rhett Ellison have have better days through the air because they were so concerned. You know, we even heard Vic in the, uh, earlier this week talk about how, you know, you got to go to mass on Saturday to stop Odell. Uh, because that's just how good of a player he is, and he really is. Uh, but they did a good job of shutting him down, especially Cal Fuller. Like you said, was able to read Eli's eyes on that one and intercept his his sixth pass of the year. So that was uh, extremely nice to see. But outside of that, I mean, they were just... You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Kind of, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of Prince in this game either. I thought he was playing soft coverages, wasn't really sticking to his guy as well as we know that he could have, but they also targeted a lot of guys in the slot, so Bryce Callahan didn't. Bryce Callahan didn't necessarily have the best day either. Yeah, yeah. So it was look when you really look at it, this is a disappointing performance by the Bears, especially uh, against an inferior opponent. But um, on the road with their backup, and it just seemed like because the offense wasn't able to really do much, uh, the offense wasn't able to do much in the beginning. It almost seemed like in a way that affected the defense because they knew, oh man, is this just going to be another three and out or is, you know, uh, Chase Daniel going to throw another pick, whatever it may be. That definitely plays a factor on how one side of the ball is playing can definitely affect the other one, even though you don't want to hear, people probably don't want to hear it. It definitely happens. I mean, imagine those old Bears teams that didn't have, you know, a very good offense. And then you see, uh, you know, the defense time and time again do what they need to do but there's, they're not being rewarded with the other side of the ball getting points. And maybe that was also a factor, but obviously the offense stepped up in that second half. But Brandon, let's, let's move on to the fourth quarter. Let's, let's uh, talk about our uh, quick hit on special teams. Do you have any quick hits on special teams? Uh, anything that you know caught your eye in this one? It came down to an extra point in regulation sent it over time, and Cody Parkey, just like he did with all his field goals throughout the day, split the uprights. Uh, I never lost faith in the kid, uh, and I don't think anyone else should either at this point. I think he proved proved today that he's he's back, that he had a small lapse there, but uh, he's he's back, I think, so I'm not worried about that one. It was also really cool to see uh, the, the broadcast showed them shutting down the Giants' gunners, uh, which I thought was a really cool yes. feature to the, to the game. So I don't know if that was something you wanted to touch on, but uh, I thought that was pretty cool to see how they how they do that. Yeah, and I've been preaching all week or, you know, for weeks now, put two people on the gunners. Good things will happen. And what do you know? They put two people on the gunners. I think Tariq Cohen was able to have, you know, a pretty solid day in the return game. I'm trying to see uh, two, only 15 yards, but able to still, you know, be a factor there. But yeah, man, being a gunner is is not a ideal job in the NFL. You get completely beat up on every single play. And the Bears, you know, guys that were guarding the gunners did a very good job at that. But, yeah, you also mentioned a really good point about Cody Parkey. Um, I think it was a 36-yard field goal that he kicked, um, the one that I'm thinking of, where it's just Cody Parkey put it right right down the middle, and there wasn't uh, – I wasn't uh, hesitant or, like, I didn't feel like it wasn't going to go in because Cody Parkey's been doing pretty well now ever since 
like you said, he had that lapse for a little bit. And since uh, people put helicopters trying to go watch him at Solar Field, he's, he's got his game together. So, which is great to see because they're going to need Cody Parkey because not every single time this offense is going to go down and score and get touchdowns, which you ideally want, but it's not going to happen like that. And Cody Parkey kicking, uh, you know, the field goal there. Great to see. Great to see. So now, Brandon, I don't have my red pen. I don't even know where my pens are at actually right now. I have so much stuff on this desk. I'm glad that you guys can't see this. But what would you grade this game? 30-27, Bears lose on the road with a backup QB. They do come back to force overtime, but that wasn't enough. What what kind of grade do you give this game? Uh, you know, I part of me is really leaning towards a C minus, and I almost think that's a little too generous. Uh, because the defense really just struggled in the second half. They couldn't contain Saquon, which was a huge game changer throughout the game because not only does that eat up clock, uh, but that wears down the front line, that wears down the defensive line, the linebackers. Uh, and Saquon just kind of keeps going. He's like Jordan Howard. He got stronger as the game went on. So just the inability to shut him down, the mistakes on offense that we haven't seen in a long time, which has been nice, uh, showed up again today with the, the wet field conditions. Chase Daniel not necessarily being the – the guy, I guess, per se, uh, did enough to get the Bears into overtime. Uh, but when it came down to it, the Giants' uh, pressure was just too much for the offense and for Chase Daniel as a whole. So uh, they got to be able to make that adjustment going uh, into Sunday night against the Rams. So I got to give it a, a C minus, I think, at the at the most. I feel it's kind of generous, though. Okay, C minus. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna give it. I'll give it a D for this one. Look, I I understand this is Chase Daniel, not Mitch Trubisky. But this is still the they were the three and eight Giants now four and eight against the eight and three Chicago Bears going into this one. The Bears are just a far superior team throughout defensively, offensively, all the weapons, everything they've been doing. I think as a coaching standpoint, how Matt Nagy's been calling plays as opposed to Pat Shermer this whole entire season, the Bears were better and they were riding high off a five game win streak. They, you know, obviously had those three games and what was it? 12 days, whatever it may have been against the Vikings and two with the, the, the lions. Then you just come out flat and pick six to start the game with uh, two plays in. You can't have that. You can't have that. Especially how chase Daniel played in that first game. He set expectations for himself and didn't meet him this time. So with that being said, I think a D is, uh, you know, appropriate for this one. I still think the pass rush didn't take full advantage of the giants offensive line. Uh, plays are just left out there for chase. Daniel, fumbles you've factor all that in there the bears played sloppy and it shows and that's why they lost 30 to 27 you can't take a day off you really can't and that's what happens when you do this is exactly what uh you know the result will be a loss and now like i said earlier it's going to make things a little bit more interesting in terms of how the seating goes for playoffs uh you know division race all that stuff the bears are still in a good position eight and four but it would have been nice to be nine and three heading into a huge sunday night matchup against the rams and Brandon, let's let's go to our two minute warning. Kind of close out this podcast. Um, look, like I just said, Rams are next week. You saw what happened in this game. What's your two minute warning for this game, and then just moving forward with the rest of the season? Yeah, I think next week is going to be a different story from what we've seen this week. I don't anticipate the same team showing up. I think the defense is going to look at that and go, "That's not an acceptable performance." Uh, we're not a team that typically you know, hardly ever at all allows 30 points. So uh, with a high-flying offense coming in, uh, being the L.A. Rams, they scored 30 against uh, the Lions today in their win. 
so maybe that's a, a statement, I guess, uh, for the Rams coming into Chicago. But they've got to face the same conditions that the Bears faced uh, in New York today. It's going to be cold uh, next week, I'm sure. Although over over the weekends here in Chicago area, it's been a little warmer, which has been weird. Uh, but I think you know, late at night uh, for these games, it's, it's going to be cold. I as much snow as we've gotten up here lately, I wouldn't even be surprised if it snows a little bit. Uh, so they're going to have to face the same conditions that the Bears faced over in over in New York, and whether or not they can overcome that with a different quarterback, uh, you know that that's to be seen. We've seen Mitch be able to to play well in different conditions. So snow angels against Cleveland comes to mind. Uh, but regardless, uh, they're gonna have to come in and make the same adjustments the Bears did in New York, and the Bears are gonna have to come out and play aggressively uh, from the very beginning. I don't think they did a very good job of that in this one. Uh, typically, they come out firing on all all cylinders. I think they put up more points in the second half of this one than they did in the first half. Uh, yeah, because they scored 13 in the fourth quarter and 14 in the first half. So even, I guess, uh, to put it that way. But um, yeah, this offense is going to come out play a little bit more aggressive and help get that that good start that we're used to seeing, and just be able to keep that throughout the entirety of the game. The defense has to be able to figure out a way to stop that running game because because Todd Gurley is a really good running back next year as well. Uh, but how it affects the rest of the season. I mean, after the Rams, I don't want to say it's it's easy coasting because it's not. We got two division opponents that are going to want to knock us off our seating. Uh, so you know, every game from now on is incredibly crucial, and I think that the defense is going to have to live up to that. And I think the offense. I mean, we've seen them put up points week in and week out, so I'm not really too worried about that. Regardless, who's at quarterback, uh, but the defense has to be able to do a better job. They set a high, very high standard, and they didn't quite meet it this week. Yeah, the Bears did not meet those expectations that uh, they set for themselves, but they got to put that behind them now. Look, they were on a five-game winning streak coming into this one. They lost. Now this loss needs to be put behind them. Watch the tape. See what you need to get corrected. Get it corrected because now a great football team is coming to Chicago, and the Rams, they're going to be in the playoffs. You got to see how they stack up against you know a playoff team, a very good one that's scoring points uh, at a crazy rate. Like you've mentioned, Todd Gurley's coming, Jared Goff, Sean McVay. Those guys, they are doing great things on the offensive side of the ball. And interior, look, the interior uh, offensive line for the Bears is going to be facing Aaron Donald. Arguably, uh, you know, next to Cleo Mack, the best NF, uh, defensive player in the game right now. So the Bears need to be ready, need to make those corrections. But I'm positive that they will because, look, the Bears have rebounded from losses and they know how to come back from them. And they have the coaching staff to do it. And more importantly, they're going to get Mitch Trubisky back. I think that really does change things. The confidence going into a game, knowing that you have your starting quarterback, is just a little bit, it's not even a little bit, it's a lot more than having your backup play. Yes, you're confident in your guy, but you'd rather have your starter play. So this is uh, good. Look, the Bears, they lost. They shouldn't have lost to an inferior team, but they did. Now they have to figure it out, get things uh, going right, because like, like I've been saying this entire podcast, now things are going to get a little interesting, and you want to see how you can stack up against a really good Rams football team that'll be here on Sunday night. It's going to be interesting, and I cannot wait to see what ends up happening. But that's going to do it for this uh, episode of the Bears Brothers podcast. Thank you for everybody who's tuning in. Uh, we were short on staff this week, but, you know, we did our thing. The Bears, like you know, lost 30-27. to 27, But now, looking forward to that Rams game on Sunday night. Make sure to tune in to all the coverage that we're going to be having this week. And you won't want to miss it because it's going to be, like I said, a huge matchup. But until next time, bear down, Chicago.
Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.